Welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex podcast with your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey everybody, welcome back to another podcast, another session of Libertarian Tex-Mex. I uh, recognize I have not been uh, back since uh, November. Um, we took a break for the holidays. Um, a lot of things going on. We actually had a pretty big family reunion here, so um, I spent a little time to focus on the family, uh, focus on the things that are important um, in an everyday life. And uh, we're back. <clears throat> so we're trying to get back on a regular schedule here. Uh, first podcast of 2020, the new decade. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody saw the, uh, everybody's reflecting on their previous decade. Um, I know in terms of politics and everything like that. But what I want to do is focus on the upcoming decade. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, recently, but um, I think maybe we'll talk a little bit more about where we see things going for the next decade and possibly where we want them to go as um, libertarians, which would be nice. <laughs> but anyways, you know, I think uh, recently, um, you know, we started off with the year um, relatively quiet for at least a couple days, but then obviously there's, a, you know, um, all the news about um, the President Trump in Iran, all that stuff. And then the impeachment, I think pretty sure those two things are dominating the news cycle right now. Mostly the tensions with Iran, um, all the trade deals that are going on with China, etc. Um, and I think as libertarians, I think we understand that we want to avoid um, a war if possible, right? Military conflicts if possible. Intervention if uh, absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, unfortunately we kind of live in a, in a we live in a in an era where both democrats and republicans are 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 majority um parties are both people who want to use the heavy-handed approach um to foreign action um and i think that's been that way probably since after world war ii right been putting bases everywhere putting military people everywhere um, making them deployed and ready to to move in if needed, and I think um, I think we haven't really come down from that, and I think I think that becomes a problem. You know, obviously it's kind of like um, you know what's the phrase "don't don't start none, won't be none" type of thing. Um, you know, it's kind of a two way kind of a two way street because um, we put our military out there to make sure we're ready for something but at the same time it invites more um, hostility because now we are in those areas and they see us as as targets and I think instead of just moving everybody back you know bringing everybody on shore um, reducing the footprint of the military I think we've gone almost in the opposite direction where the military is 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 increasing either you know at a constant or at a steady state and uh, unfortunately I think you know where we're not going to face we're not going to 
go backwards from that until something um, drastic happens, like an economic collapse, you know. And then the military, and then the U.S., um, you know, government would say, okay, we don't have enough, we don't got enough money, so let's pull back on this military. But, uh, heck, I wouldn't even say that. Like, I'm pretty sure they're just borrowing money, you know, at will to fit their needs. So, unfortunately, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but you definitely think that, you know, at certain points um, in the development of society, um, it has to face a... a a quandary you know and I, I think I take my I, I always say you know the Roman Empire was probably one of the best examples of what I think America is going through meaning it's it's a great idea it's a great society that booms and then and then it grows too big right too big to fail type of thing um, now it's too big um, you know they're Attack, you know, heavily taxing people, they're um, inflicting their power and their will onto people, um, outstretching their military, lots of war campaigns, um, et cetera, et cetera, um, to the point that it it collapses, right? It stretches its, I think any society that stretches itself too thin, eventually at some point, um, you know, collapses. I mean, I think we'd look, history, history is like ripe with them, right? You look at the, you know, um, Genghis Khan or you look at um, Alexander the Great or Roman Empire or Germany right Nazi Germany um, the moment you start outstretching yourself too far is when you start creating gaps and I think unfortunately I think that's where the United States is heading as the Empire right um, as as the dominant society in the world today um, I think the only way it's going to um, cool down is not by self-consciousness and saying, oh, we are going too far, we need to pull it back. Unfortunately, I think a machine like that won't have some consciousness to say, okay, we better pull it back before we, you know, fall off the cliff. Um, I think it's just going to fall off the cliff. So, but the good thing is, the good thing as libertarians um, is that, you know, we live our life for the most part you know, in the free market, right? Everybody's got a job, everybody's got family. Um, you know, you're making your income off of a non-federal government system, right? And even like you think about firefighters, police officers, um, teachers, you know, you those kind of public servants um, at the local level get paid at the local level, right? You get paid by your uh, school district, by you know, um, the local county municipality type of thing or the state, right, for firefighters, I, I believe. Um, so, you know, so it's like even if the federal government were to collapse, you would still have your state and local government to, to run things, right? Things would still be run out. And obviously it doesn't mean we won't feel impacts. So obviously we have um, some ties, uh, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, depends on how you look at it. But we have some ties. So obviously that would create impacts for us. But I think... It wouldn't be unrecoverable. So, anyways, not that I say I'm promoting like, hey, let's let's collapse the U.S. government. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying is, probably over time, it's going to happen on its own. So, when is it going to happen? Who knows? Um, and I think going into the next decade, we look at that, and you look at the trend of 
globalization. And, I, and unfortunately, our president and many people use the word globalization in a negative versus the most positive way that we actually see it in the markets, um, that the world is moving towards a global society. Um, you know, if you think business, we do global business, you know. Uh, our resources are global. You know, our resources come from other countries. Our foods um, are, re you know, resources like metals, um, energy, things like that. Um, they come from several different spots, and there's really no specific area, right? I think predominantly in the U.S., we get a lot of our energy from Mexico and Canada. Um, and um, I, I think, I think as a libertarian who believes that the free market does more good than harm, um, we know that this globalization of business, the globalization of markets, the globalization of culture is a good thing, you know? There's things that can be brought in that we, we wouldn't have, you know? And uh, I think, you know, as a, as a society, um, we need to find our place in the globe. Um, and I think when you look at it from, you know, kind of a Republican Democrat standpoint, I think in their minds, they want to be the dominant culture. They want to control the, <clears throat> they want to control the narrative of that to be, to say Americans are the center of the globe, you know, kind of a American centrism. But I think as a free, as, as free marketeers, as, as libertarians, we know we are just one person in a sea of the market and uh, we've got to learn to um, understand what makes us unique, what makes us um, separate from other people. But also, we also need to understand what um, we can take from the world. And I think, um, you know, as a as a Houstonian, we we know that clear. We know that very well, right? We are we have a giant port um, that does a lot of international trade with um, Asia, Latin America, and Europe, Africa, uh, almost everywhere from the globe. It's a major importer, and, and that allows us to see the interaction, the international interaction from a different angle, right? Um, you know, we see the interaction, we see different cultures, we see different religions, we see different business purposes. And I think, interestingly enough, I think in Houston it works out very phenomenally. Um, obviously, there's, um, you know, our common law, um, that we that we abide by but also there's also uh, an Im immense freedoms that we um, freedoms and liberties that we give each other and we understand that right um, we understand the freedom of religion we understand the freedom of speech um, whether we exercise that or not we understand that it is something that people can do and we've got to learn to deal with it you know and I think in Houston here, um, you know, despite all the different opinions, all the different, um, you know, complexities of people, I think we've been able to find our comfort zone in saying, hey, this is what I believe. And um, I can still support other people with other interests. Um, it doesn't mean we're competing with each other. It just means that we have different interests and different views on things. And so where do we find the common ground? And then where do we understand our differences? I think it's really cool. You know, I think Houston really serves as, as a really good example of how the U.S. should be in terms of its global relationships. You know, we shouldn't fear globalization. Um, we should actually see it as a positive and find what we can contribute and what we can get from it. 
but I think we already know that. I think most people know that, right? We get a lot of our fruit, you know, vegetables, manufacturing, energy, everything is, you know, imported from somebody somewhere else. And likewise, you know, we think we export corn and potato and, you know, <laughs> energy, right? We still export a lot of oil and gas um, to the uh, global market. Um, and then we export, you know, services like software, um, all that stuff. So anyways, I think the next decade is going to be dominated by global markets and hopefully by global politics so we don't have to <laughs> keep focusing on the drama that is the U.S. government. Um, but I think it's interesting enough that, um, you know, if we look at, people always look at it's really hard when you judge yourself versus when you look at other people but I think a lot of times people look at our own politics in the US and think man this is crazy like I can't believe this is happening but however when you look outside of the US and you look at any other country that has politics it's not really that much different I mean politics is a shit show anywhere you go um, it always reminds me of, um, I was looking at like a, it was like a random YouTube video, but it was like a Korean parliament fight, like a legit fist fight that two uh, people in the Korean government got involved with. And literally it was like, um, they were kind of like tugging at each other and then one drops down and kicks him over uh, his body as he falls down. He's like doing like a judo throw or I would say judo, but whatever throw they're doing, um, and, uh, and I was like, wow. And they were, it was like a huge fight. It was, and I think there was another one from, I can't even remember another country where it was like a huge brawl with everybody. And you look at that stuff and you go, you know, maybe the United States isn't that bad. I mean, maybe it's just politics in general that's kind of a cluster. And I know there's several people out there that are like, why can't we all just get along? You know, that's, that's not really the angle I'm going for. We know people fundamentally disagree with each other. Um, we know not everybody can get along with each other. Um, so I'm not going to say can't we all just get along. But uh, I'm definitely going to say that for sure cooperation works a lot better than conflict. But you do need conflict to have good resolutions. Um, I think it's something like even, you know, um, even in martial arts we talk about that quite a bit is, you know, we always feel like you know, the person has to move with us. The person has to cooperate with us uh, for us to do this thing right. And um, I look at it and go, you know, actually with conflict, with a little pressure, with a little clash and collision, we can actually find the right solution from conflict. And I think that's really the probably the truer truism in life is that we need to find resolution in conflict. Um, and how do we do that? It becomes a really important thing. So. I think it's that thing of don't be afraid of conflict, you know, don't be afraid of disrupting people um, a little bit, you know, so maybe disrupt and then find common ground. I think that's always a good thing. So anyways, um, so I think I think hopefully by this next decade will be dominated by a little bit more of a global globalized approach to news, globalized approach to culture and technology. Um, I think it would totally take the attention off of this freaking president, Donald Trump. Um, I think he's not worth the effort, not worth the energy. He's just, you know, like a 
crazy teenager on on Twitter. Um, but you know, it's that thing we have to face until he's gone. Um, but I think you know, the less attention he gets, the better. Um, I, and in truth, we know that, right? We know, you know, the president being on Twitter, the president saying the outrageous things he says. It's not because of some malintent. Um, I think it's honestly because of ego. I think it's just he wants attention and he'll say whatever he wants. Not to say that's not malintent, but malintent would be viciousness um, or some ulterior motive for greed and power. Um, I think this is all just ego. I think ego drives him more than anything, more than money. Um, I think attention really is what really, really he thrives for. So. Yeah, whoever wants to dive in that psyche, maybe his parents weren't giving him enough attention. Who knows what it was? But um, he definitely thrives off of attention. But I think if this decade could do anything like not give him attention and just focus on other things, that would be nice. But um, we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, I think, you know, um, you know, moving into this year, obviously, just like every year, it's... Um, rethinking about how you want to go into the year, um, what goals you want to have, um, and where you want to be. And uh, obviously most people use New Year's resolutions and stuff like that to uh, get themselves on the right track. I, I would say um, for me more it's like a, um, getting back to business um, where we were before the, the holidays. <laughs> You know, instead of eating all that bad food and, and taking all this time off, it's like, hey, it's let's let's get back to business. You know, let's let's focus. For me, it's about focusing on my health, focusing on my career, and um, enjoying my time with my wife and my family. So, I think those three things uh, are quite enough. But I do enjoy podcasting every once in a while. So. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate um, everybody who uh, hit plays on this. Um, we are um, slowly building a library. I think this is number 22 or something like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm still working out some kinks on making this um, available in wider platforms. I think right now this is only available in Podbean. Uh, but we are going to figure out how to make it available in uh, Apple. Uh, I do post this on Facebook. We have a Facebook Libertarian Tex-Mex. Uh, we also have a Twitter handler, uh, Twitter handler. We have a Twitter handle, Libertarian um, Tex-Mex. I'm trying to think of the actual name. Hey, I should probably look at that before I go. But anyways, um, we do have a, a Twitter handle as well um, that we also manage. So we're trying to do some market outreach on that one. So if you can, if you don't mind, um, you know, follow those pages. Um, and see for any news. Facebook's usually the prime space where I do a lot of play in. Um, mostly because you have a little bit of a long form format so I can post articles, I can post some memes, stuff like that. Twitter, I'm still, um, I sound like an old, I sound like an old man here, but Twitter, I'm still trying to work on, on how to use it. Um, it's a little bit more of a short burst. Uh, but our our Twitter handle is at um, Liberty Texmex. If you ever want to follow that, I'd surely greatly appreciate it. So, anyways, um, like, comment, feedback. Let me know what you think. What's going to be happening in the next decade? Um, hopefully, what you see for yourself. As I always tell people, you know, the libertarian view is living your life. 
the way you want to without harming other people. Um, you know, we believe in liberty. We believe in freedom. We live in we we believe in free markets. We believe, um, you know, in working with each other to help each other. And I think, in truth, most people live that. I think the majority of society is living that. Um, and I think the idea is to appreciate that and enjoy it um, and protect it as much as we can. It's very easy for government, uh, very easy for people in authority to give themselves more power, um, to limit um, the rights of people simply because of something um, that they want to create as, as fear-driven um, decision-making. And I think we need to always be vigilant, always be protective of um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, um, and make sure that we protect that. Even if we don't agree with somebody's choices in life, we need to make sure that we um, at least respect their right to do it. Um, and then if you want to intervene in somebody, you want to say, hey, you're not doing so great, or you need help, then volunteer, then do it yourself. So anyways, um, I want to make this one short. I want to say welcome to 2020. Um, I am very positive about our outlook as libertarians. I'm actually going to be, uh, look, I think we are talking about going to the Libertarian Convention, Libertarian Party Convention in Austin um, this spring. Um, would be interesting to see what happens. Would love to see people out there um, show up um, and let's see what happens. I think the Libertarian Party is really coalescing. It's really building um, up to something that I think is going to be a force to be reckoned with at some point, maybe not now, but it's definitely slowly, slowly eating into those numbers. And at some point, it's going to have to be recognized that this is finally a viable third party choice. So anything I can do to support that, um, I'm definitely going to push it along um, and participate and tell other people to participate because I think ultimately that's that's one of our downfalls as a society is that we don't have a third option. You know, we don't have more than more than two options. When we face, we look at other societies that have multiple parties in in their organization, and those multiple parties work together by topic specific issues to get things pushing, versus party specific issues. And I think that's I think that'd be a great first step, uh, a more practical first step. Can we get multiple parties in the system and can they coalesce on topics spe specific issues to get things really important done and over? So we see how it goes. Anyways, welcome to 2020. Hope everything's doing okay and we'll catch you next time.